Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi there. My name's Jack, and I love horrible movies. Each week on the Horrible Movie Podcast, producer Phil, a guest, and I talk about a horrible movie. We talk about the actors, directors, the budget, the box office, and like thereof. You also get silly songs, fake commercials, and too much fun to list on this promo. Available everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. The Sports Yak Podcast is powered by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets. Also by Pyramid Equipment. Be prepared this winter season by checking the condition of your snow removal equipment. Pyramid Equipment is a locally owned business in Rolling Prairie, Indiana that sells, services, and installs residential and commercial grade snow plows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid Equipment is your trusted dealer of Meyer and Snow Dog products. Old man winter's ready. Are you? Service discount for military, fire, and police available. Call 800-833-2591 or find them on the web at PyramidEquipmentInc.com. And now, here we go, maniacs. From South Bend, Indiana, you know where that's at. I don't. It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freeby. I'm the booth announcer, Jim Shorts. That's good. This episode was not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hi, my name's Corey. That's Chuck Freeby to my left. Hi, kids. Welcome to episode 156. You mean the Freddy Garcia episode? Freddy Garcia? Freddy was a member of the 2005 White Sox who won the World Series, won 14 games that season for the Pale Hose. He had nine years where he had double-digit wins in the American League and racked up 156 for his career. Freddie Garcia! I see that you're on the uh, Twitter machine. I am. At 46 Sports. That's me. And you have got one right up on the top. You're starting the day off with some voting. Yeah, why not? Who wins the World Series tonight? Game 7, Max Scherzer pitching for the Nationals, Zach Greinke for the Houston Astros. The road team has won every game of this series so far. Hmm. Who gets the MVP trophy? Well, I think it depends who wins. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could make a real good case for Alex Bregman for the Astros. He's had a terrific series. Uh, you could make a really good case for Juan Soto of the Nationals, who has had a lot of big hits for the Nats in this series. I don't have a dog in this fight, so I'm just going to go Houston. I am I am rooting for Washington because the Astros already have one, and the Nationals are from the National League, my team being from the National League, the Cubs. So I'm rooting for Washington. seems to be that most people are, and... Even though he uh, 
he did not pitch in game five because of a stiff neck, and you really don't know what you're going to get out of him. Boy, I like Max Scherzer going on the mound in the big game. Okay. Did you get a chance to put your eyes on these games? I have watched a little bit. I, I do have to say this is probably the least watched World Series in history. Uh, four of the least watched top ten games hmm. are in this series. Now, last night, uh, I was watching somewhat. 2-1 Houston breaks out. Just as I was going to bed, Juan Soto hit a tremendous blast to tie the game at two. And then things got really interesting in the seventh inning. Uh Washington already had a 3-2 lead. They had Jan Gomes at first. Trey Turner, speedster, hits a little dribbler back towards the mound. The pitcher had to come off the hill for the Astros, field the ball, and throw to first. And the ball winds up tipping off the glove of uh, the person covering first base. And Gomes goes to third, but the plate umpire rules that Trey Turner is out for runner interference. Hmm. And as I look at the replay, I don't know what Trey Turner is supposed to do. Remember, the base in Major League Baseball is in fair territory. And the rule says the runner can be in the second half of the run. He can be on the line or one step in in order to touch the base. And Trey Turner didn't do anything wrong in my eyes. He ran straight down the line. But they still called him out for runner interference. And Davey Martinez, between innings, he waited until between innings, went absolutely nuts and became the first manager to be tossed from a World Series game in over 20 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, you know how they have a get-back coach in college football? Yes. Well, he had a holdback coach last night, and that holdback coach was really doing his best to earn his keep. <laughs> <laughs> and really needed some help because Davey was not having any of it. Now, the Nationals also wound up having a big inning. Shortly after that call, Anthony Rendon comes up and hits a big two-run homer to expand the lead to 5-2, and the Nationals weren't caught after that. But, man, there have been some some wild calls in this series. I saw a Schwarber from the Cubs tweet uh, just last night had a white base next to an orange base. Well, this is the way they do it in youth leagues okay. to to try to help eliminate a situation where there's going to be contact or collisions at the base. Because let's face it, in youth leagues, first basemen don't know the footwork all that well. They might be taking up a little too much of the bag mm-hmm. and where's the runner going to go. So they put that orange base in foul territory because you're told as a runner to run in a straight line to first base. You're trying, you know, quickest distance between two things is a straight line. So that's what they're trying to run. And that's what Turner ran. He ran right down the line to first base. And in my eyes, should have been called safe. Mm. Okay. Big news coming out of the NC2A uh, last night. Well, this opens up a. Uh, a huge can of worms. The NCAA Board of Governors, and and remember, this law started, this thing started with a law in California where they said that players should be able to profit from their name, image, and likeness. This goes back to the reason why you don't have NCAA video games anymore. You don't have NCAA football or NCAA basketball. 
because Ed O'Bannon, a former UCLA player, sued the companies because he's like, that's me on there. You're using my image, my likeness, and I'm not getting anything out of this. And the company said, okay, we'll just stop making the game. And But this has been a big push going for a while because what is the harm of a player being able to use his name, image, or likeness to generate income? Uh, whether that's signing autographs or being in a commercial or something like that. How does that make you not an amateur? You're not being paid for your play on the field. You're being paid for your name recognition. And any other college student who's not an athlete, you know, if you, if you have somebody who's a, a tremendous musician or something like that, and people uh, come, let's say Taylor Swift, when she was in college, mm-hmm. wanted to do a concert somewhere. She could do a concert and didn't affect any scholarships or anything like that that she got from the college. Why should the athletes be any different? Now, there's been pushback on this. There was a senator who tweeted last night, okay, if we're going to do this, then those scholarships and grants that people get, you should be able to tax those. Those should be viewed as income. And then... But he said it just for athletes. And then somebody else pushed back, well, what about the other students who get scholarships and grants? Are you going to tax those? So, and the NCAA is trying to keep college athletics separate from professional athletics. But this is going to be a a really rocky road that they have to navigate to try to come up with the rules to implement this. What a different kind of vibe uh, years from now if we were to show up at the basketball banquet or the football banquet and the players are at a table with a price tag mm-hmm. in front of them for an autograph. Right. That would uh, that would deflate a lot of fans real quick. Well, and we talked about this on a previous Yak. So you go into uh, the bookstore, and you go to get a number nine jersey. Mm-hmm. Well, who, who benefits from that? Does Tom Zipkowski benefit from that? How about Kyle Rudolph? He wore number nine. Uh, who else, anybody else who wore number nine over the years could benefit from that? Oddly enough, there's a lot of number 12s just hanging on the rack, by the way. There's plenty of those. Well, Mr. Book had a very disappointing game against Michigan, and a lot of attention at Brian Kelly's press conference went to the quarterback situation at Notre Dame. Is there a situation? Well, Brian Kelly says there's not. He said, if you think for a moment that if I felt Phil Jerkovic would make our team better by being on the field even for four or five plays. He goes, I'd do that in a second. But right now, he feels that Ian Book is the best person to quarterback this Irish team. Now, there's two separate things here, Corey. You can ask the question, is Brian Kelly good at developing quarterbacks? The track record would say no. Uh, Is Tommy Reese good at developing quarterbacks? Right now, the track record would say no. You can ask the question, should they recruit better quarterbacks? The track record would probably say yes. But the other question is, among the quarterbacks that Notre Dame has on its roster on October 30th, 2019, is Ian Book the best quarterback to lead this team? I believe the answer is yes. 
what little snippets we've seen of Phil Dracovic, whether they be in practice or in games, do not show us that Phil Dracovic is better than Ian Book. Mm-hmm. How many uh, choices do they have on the sidelines? Four? Five? No, I believe I believe currently just three. Oh, okay. They have Book, they have Dracovic, and they have a young man by the name of Brandon Clark, who is third string. Now, if they got down to fourth, Avery Davis was a quarterback back in high school and could probably fill the bill. Mm. Did I read that uh, they did not make uh, the quarterback available for media, just keeping him out of the... This has been an ongoing problem all year with uh, the way players have been presented or not been presented to the media this year. Mm. And Ian Book, who is the quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, and let's face it, when you're the quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, that's different than the offensive guard. That's different than the defensive end. Mm -hmm. The quarterback of Notre Dame is one of the face positions of all of college football. And he has only been made available pregame three out of the eight games for the Irish this year Mm. and four out of seven postgame. And he's a captain, and I just don't understand it. And I don't know enough about the inner working story to say this is Ian Book begging off. This is coming from, I don't think it's coming from Brian Kelly because this hasn't happened in the past. Um, I'm not sure who exactly it's coming from. I just think it's wrong. Okay. I think it, whether whether you're having a great season or not, if you got that C on your chest when you go out to play, and you're a captain, and you're the quarterback, you kind of have to step up and face the music. And to be honest, folks, he's 5-2. and two. It's not like he's terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, did he miss some receivers? Yes. Uh, did he face a lot of pressure on Saturday with Michigan guys in his face? Yes. Uh, is that all on him? No. But we can't really get an explanation out of that or know what he's thinking or what he's seeing or what he's feeling unless we're allowed to talk to him. Do you feel like you're owed that? Well, what bothers me is when he is not presented to the local media and then you see him on ESPN. Oh, okay. Which is what happened before the Georgia game. Okay. And that's... Or was it the Georgia game or maybe the Virginia game? It was one of the games. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, that's that's being selective, and I don't think it should be that way. Are we owed it? I I honestly don't know what the media is owed, but I would think until something happens that would co- there's not been an interaction between Ian Book and the media that has gone afoul. I was going to say, what was the last time? And did it, you know, did he the say last time he that he was the last time he was presented only for four minutes to the broadcast media? <laughs> so it was more or less a statement. It it went very quickly. Wow. And people had more questions, and it's like, nope, time's up. Four minutes is like one question. Well, for some people, uh, you know, and maybe yeah. people need to ask better questions or things like that. But if you don't know, you're only getting four minutes going in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's uh let's switch over to college basketball. Mike Bray's team played its exhibition opener last night. The the great news there is that Rex Fluker is back on the court. 
My goodness. I, I have such admiration for this young man because he stays so positive through all the adversity that he has faced. That terrible knee injury last December, his mother succumbing to cancer this summer, and through it all, Rex Fluger has never wavered, and he's probably one of the most respected basketball players I've I've ever come across at the University of Notre Dame, and that's saying a lot. And back on the court last night, played about 15 minutes, did not score, uh, but helped the Irish play good defense. And the and the one knock on Mike Bray teams over the years is their defense has been questionable. Well, he's clearly said, hey, I don't know how many points we're going to be able to score this year, so we better be able to play really good defense. And they did last night. Now it's Capital. It's Capital University, who, by the way, is coached by Dane Goodwin's father. Uh, Dane Goodwin's father, former player at the University of Dayton, who has had his own battles with cancer. And so Dane Goodwin playing against his dad's team last night. That was a neat juxtaposition. Uh, But the Irish won that one against Capital pretty handily, despite the fact that they didn't shoot the ball all that well. And that's a concern for Mike's team as you go into the year, is just where is the offense going to come from on a consistent basis? John Mooney had 12 points and 11 rebounds last night. You're going to need more from him and really everybody else if you're going to play with the top-notch teams. It's Carolina a week from tonight for the season opener. In Carolina. In Carolina. Now, Ooh. the Irish have one more tune-up. They play Friday night against Bellarmine in an exhibition game. Got news for you. Bellarmine at home ain't Carolina on the road. Mm-hmm. We were told by our pal Tom Noy, Rex is the the glue this year, though. Yes. The leader, probably... A guy that fires you up in the locker room, the mature. Uh, he, he's he's the face of that team. Yeah. He really is. Now, Indiana last night, interestingly enough, they had no problem with the offense. They were playing Gannon, the Golden Knights, on 103.1. Demise Anderson from Riley High School was in the starting lineup last night. I don't know if that'll be the case when the games count for certain. Uh, but Demise had 10 points last night. Sophomore year? He is in his sophomore year. Okay. Uh, hopefully he has learned under Archie Miller how to play better defense because that's primarily the reason he wasn't in the lineup much during the Big Ten season last year was he he did not play good enough defense. Which, I mean, if anybody's honest up here, that wasn't really a surprise because that wasn't Demise's strength when he was playing at Riley either. That said... Um, he seems to be a better player, an improved player. Was in the starting lineup last night. Justin Smith had 18 points. Hoosiers ha- are coming off a couple of rough years under Archie Miller. 16 and 15 his first year, 19 and 16 last year. They did show some hope the second half of the year last year. Maybe with this young team they can show a little bit more hope, but they're not expected to really contend for anything in the Big Ten this season. They began in last night 84 to 54. Allow me to stick this little feather in Chuck's cap. You can hear IU basketball and Purdue basketball here locally in South Bend on 103.1 Pulse FM. We split our signals during basketball. Yes. So you still get music on 92.1, but you get hoops on 103.1. That'll include Friday night, Purdue, ranked number 23 in the preseason poll, opens up against Southern Indiana. That's an exhibition game. And uh, we'll see what Matt Painter and the Boilermakers have without Carson Edwards. Bethel College. I'm sorry, Bethel University. I'm still working on that myself. Now are we all? Uh huh. 
Travion Cruz, 31 points last night. Steve Draven gets his second straight win over a ranked opponent. They beat Madonna on Saturday. They won at Indiana Tech impressively last night by 15, I believe. Cruz with 31 points, and uh, Bethel playing very well. I think maybe surprising some people in the first two games under Steve Draven. I have not yet had a chance to see them play. They've both been away games, but I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait to see what his dynamic is and yeah. how this team gets together. IUSB won its home opener last night. They beat Midway. I've honestly never heard of that school. Uh, Dearborn beat Holy Cross 71-68. Goshen got a victory over Northwestern Ohio. Back to uh, football real quick. What's happening this weekend? Well, obviously, you've got Notre Dame and Virginia Tech this weekend at the stadium, 2.30, 1.30 for countdown to kickoff on WNDU. Uh, Indiana is at home with a night game against Northwestern. Boy, they came off that win over Nebraska on Saturday. They've had two big road wins in a row, Corey. They're 6-2. and two. They're bowl eligible for the first time in a while. Um, when was the last time IU was 6-2 and two at this point? Probably back in the early to mid-90s. So Tom Allen doing a great job. They've got a, a bad Northwestern team coming to the Rock on Saturday night. But it's interesting I mean, Tom Allen made a point of it at his post-game press conference after the Nebraska game, pounding the podium and saying, we need to pack the rock this Saturday. This team is playing well. He wanted Hoosier fans to support them. And, you know, that's always been the argument at IU is the fans, well, we'll, we'd show up if we have a winner. Well, you have a winner. Your team is 6-2. and They've got a good shot at being 7-2. and They're favored on Saturday. I know the weather's going to be cold. That's football season, kids. That's right. Go on out there and and support the Hoosiers. We'll have the game for you on 103.1 FM Saturday night at 7, or I think 7.30. Uh, Purdue is at home this weekend against Nebraska. Boy, the Boilermakers just... The injuries to Sindelar and Rondale Moore really devastated that team, and they just haven't been able to generate anything offensively. They're 2-6 and six right now. I think some Purdue fans might be wondering, huh, what about that contract that we gave to Jeff Brom where he finished 500 and we gave him $3 million a year? Was that the best move? And we kind of raised our eyebrows at the time that it happened, but we'll see. I mean, the jury's still out. He did have injuries this year. I'll give him credit for that. So that's what's going on with Purdue this weekend. Of course, high school football gets into – semifinals in both the district level in Michigan and the sectional level in Indiana. Let's talk Michigan first. The pairings came out on Sunday night. Last year, Edwardsburg won the state championship, but that was in Division 4. This year, the Eddies are up in Division 3, and they open up with the St. Joe Bears in Edwardsburg on Friday night. That should be a very interesting matchup. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how the Eddies perform up a level. Eddies now have the Bears former the former head coach, head coach of the Bears, Gandalf Church, is now Edwardsburg's defensive coordinator. Okay. There will be no love lost on the sidelines uh between those two. Okay. That said, uh you go down to division six, Brandywine is ranked number two. They are undefeated on the year. And Mike Nate's Bobcats get a visit from Constantine on Friday night. And Constantine has been a perennial power in southwest Michigan. 
uh, down a little bit this year. I think they finished six and three, so that should be a fun matchup. Cassopolis is down in Division Eight. They're playing White Pigeon on Friday night, and then you've got Berrien Springs. I believe they're at home on Friday as well. Well, their home field this year has been up at St. Joe, but the Shamrocks went eight and zero. They play a team from out of the area. Okay. Uh, in Indiana, the game we're doing Friday night, you can see it live on Facebook at 7 and on TV 46 Friday night at 11, Saturday morning at 9. Elkhart Central and Concord, I'm going over to both schools today to talk to coaches and players, so we'll have some sound for you on Friday show to preview that big matchup. Did you bring some rain gear? Um, I get to do the interviews inside. I'm doing them during – I told the coaches <laughs> – I have no interest in standing out in this stuff. No. Let's do it inside. So we will. And we'll talk to the coaches and players, get a feel for that game. Uh, There's a lot of good games this Friday night. We'll talk about most of them on Friday's show, but you've got Marion and West Noble. That's a top 10 showdown in Class 3A. Uh, You've got the game between Warsaw and Chesterton in 6A. Tippecanoe Valley entertaining Jimtown. That's a 3A game. So, a lot of good matchups this weekend on the high school football slate. And if you lose now in Indiana, you're done. And Michigan. Yeah. And Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was in the Bridgestone on Monday night. Uh, the Predators know how to put on an entertaining hockey game they in do. that arena. My goodness. Everything's got fangs. Everything's got, uh, you know, their kind of, their branding on it. Do you see a lot of the Nashville influence there? Yes, a lot of music and mm-hmm. hockey together. Um, great arena. It's it's a fun downtown arena. It's a mess down there traffic-wise, but if you know how to maneuver it, it's a, it's a blast. Speaking of mess, the Blackhawks right now are one, too. Uh, Jeremy Collinton benched Brett Seabrook last night, scratched him from the lineup despite him being healthy. And the Blackhawks and Seabrook's like one of the captains. Oh, boy. <laughs> And the Blackhawks lost to Nashville three nothing and looked well, very much discombobulated offensively last night. So they're really on the struggle bus. Red Wings finally got back in the win column. Uh, they beat Edmonton three one. Jimmy Howard stood on his head for thirty one saves and beat the Oilers, who were not very good on the road but are tough at home. That's our show. What about pop culture? You you went to. A Elton pretty John. big concert over the weekend. Elton John uh, has reignited my opinion that he is one of the best of our lifetime. So he played at the Bridgestone Monday night. Played at the Bridgestone in Nashville. Uh, started at uh, about five minutes past eight. Wrapped up at 1045. Wow. He took what some would consider a break, but it was a funeral for a friend. It, like a song uh, transition, changed his outfit, and uh, the piano was like on a little boat, moved its way across the stage. Uh, Chuck, it was it was phenomenal. He sounds great. His band is perfect. I have no problem with a performer his age taking a little break either. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, he's what, in his 70s now? Yeah, uh, mid-70s. This is it. This is the final tour. Yeah. He does keep adding a couple shows here and there, but he pretty much sticks to the playlist. I did not look it up before I went. I wanted to be surprised. The guy I was with completely had studied it and was ready to go. But when I got back to where I was staying, I went through, and he's he is sticking pretty solid to this 
group of songs. Well, why not? And First he, of all, you know, he's earned that right. Well, with that song catalog, it, it's a, well, you didn't get to hear Pinball Wizard. Mm. You didn't get to hear Honky Cat. I'm okay with that. You heard some super deep cuts that maybe your parents played on a record that you kind of went, oh, I kind of remember that song. But but when he got to rolling out the hits, it was, and he's great. He's in a phenomenal piano player. Oh, yes. And they've got a couple cameras watching the fingers mm-hmm. tickle the ivories, and it was it was fantastic. Did it give you an idea? I realize Elton John is a different performer than Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. But did it give you any thoughts or ideas of what to expect come next June at the stadium? I think Billy Joel completely, and which is why he does not do new music, Billy Joel knows that the fans are showing up for the nostalgia. Right. Uh, you know, we want to hear the hits. And so he gives you that. And there's a couple times during the show where Billy Joel goes, all right, fans, you've got to choose between two songs by your applause. And they're two great songs, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the amount of time. So, you know. Well, he doesn't wish to take the amount of time. Well, there's that. You know, It'd be a three-and-a-half-hour show if he did. Right. So, you know, if you have to choose, let's say right now, you have to choose between uh, she's always a woman and just the way you are, what do you choose? Just the way you are. Okay. River of Dreams and We Didn't Start the Fire. Ooh, now that's a tough one. Um, Even though I love the lyrics of River of Dreams, mm-hmm. I think We Didn't Start the Fire would be a more visual. I mean, I'm thinking of the video that could run behind him on that board. Mm-hmm. I, I would go with We Didn't Start the Fire. He could add two more verses to that with what's going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's still rock and roll to me or Uptown Girl. Well, Christy ain't walking out anymore, so it's still rock and roll to me. <laughs> I love that 45. Um, I was there when Christy walked out to Uptown Girl at Purcell Pavilion yes. many years ago, so <laughs> I don't think he's topping that. Um, let, let's see. Who else did you hang with down in Nashville? Any names that we might recognize? Let me, uh, real quickly tell you, this was my favorite song from Elton John. Take me to the pilot. Really? Oh. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the night. You don't think of a guy from England. Kind of doing a more, what sounds like a southern blues right? rock and roll song. Yeah, and this song went on and on a little bit. He, uh, they went, they went to town, but uh, and the stage, the stage was uh, amazing. Lights and the and the video. Uh well, you know the tough part about being in Nashville this weekend. Uh, Toby Mack, who is one of our, uh, you know, primary artists, his son. Um, passed away last week and there's been uh, all kinds of stories all kinds of wrong uh reported stories but uh his funeral ended up being yesterday afternoon today is wednesday as we record this yesterday afternoon at four o'clock there's a field across from where toby lives and there's a place called the factory it's kind of a I don't want to say a mall, Chuck, but a, a higher end mall. You know, restaurants and sure. higher end stores, yeah. like a Galleria kind of vibe. And uh, super, the 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 invitation said super casual. Bring a blanket. Um, and uh, the couple of stories I've heard from as late last night was one of the most moving 
and yet raw funerals mm. they've ever attended. You know, a, a young 21-year-old with the future, just so many opportunities. Yeah. And, um, yeah, very tough. I, I was asked to stay in town a little bit longer, but I missed I missed my wife and son, and I wanted to get home. Don't blame me there. It's not the most exciting drive. No, it's not. No, six hours and 44 minutes on the nose. But 65. Yeah. There's a lot of construction in Indianapolis right now when you go around the city. Oh, it's awful. So that was a mess. It's amazing how smells take you to a certain whatever in your life. And because of that construction, and I smelled it through the window, I used to work at UPS right out of high school. Oh, really? I used to push the boxes out of the truck early in the morning to go into the brown trucks. Okay. And so there was that uh, big warehouse slash cardboard box smell. Yes. And I smelled that most of the afternoon yesterday. It was just like, ugh, I hated that job. <laughs> it does not sound oh, it it does was, not sound like your kind of job. It paid well, but man did I hate that job. Yeah. It was tough. And I just smelled that and it's like, oh that was gosh, I was eighteen years old and I still remember that. But uh yeah, I had a fun time down there. Franklin is a great town to hang out in. You know, if you want to get away, that's a great town. Nashville is insanely busy, insanely populated, a lot of cranes in the air building more high-rises and apartments, And uh, but you get outside of town, and it's a, it's a great place. Let me ask you this. One more non-sports question before we close up shop. Today. Okay. Uh, tomorrow's trick-or-treating. I know not everybody in our listening audience participates because we work for a Christian radio station. Some people have some very hard and fast feelings about that holiday. Mm-hmm. But what's the go-to candy? What do you first of all? What do you distribute at the gated community? And secondly, uh, what is your favorite Halloween go-to candy? Debbie usually purchases the mini candy bars. Yes, the variety pack. Right. So if I'm reaching into that, I usually go for the old-school classic Hershey candy bar. Yes, not a kiss. The candy bar. Right. The small, flat one. Mm -hmm. My favorite candy, you know, it kind of seems to be all the same. There's about eight or nine or ten. Tootsie Roll I'll grab. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going for the snack, right? like I'm at the gas station yesterday morning kind of loading up for my ride, I grab a whatchamacallit, oh. a Kit Kat, Interesting. and a Twix. Okay. I can't. I, it depends on what day I put them in order, but whatchamacallit's kind of my top. Now, see, we go with the variety pack, apparently, too. At least this is how I was instructed after I misspoke on the morning show. Uh, we go with the Milky Way, the Three Musketeers, and I think there's a mini Snickers maybe okay. in, in that group. There should be. Uh, of those three, I'm a big fan of the Three Musketeers because okay. of the nougat. I mean, where else do you get nougat? Uh, can you name the Three Musketeers? No. You can't? I can't. You of all people? What do you mean, me of all people? You're a literary wordsmith. Doesn't mean I know all my French literature. D'Artagnan. Okay. Bonzo. Yeah. No, not Bonzo. <laughs> and Walter White. No. Yeah, I don't know him either. No. Actually, I thought there were four. Well, not in the candy bar. <laughs> there are three. <laughs> Only three. Does the three musketeers represent the three ingredients? Is that where they get that from? Probably. So the nougat, is that an ingredient? Yeah, well, of course it is. And the nougat is a combo of what? Caramel and 
it's a combo of goodness and goodness uh-huh. is what nougat is. Any truth to the rumor that you like to tap a little nougat behind the ear? Oh, if I did, <laughs> I'd be simply irresistible. You'd call Robert Palmer right now. He's dead, Chuck. Well, you'd still call him. Uh, Chuck's on the Twitter machine. At 46 Sports. So is the Yak. Sports Yak with two Ks on Instagram as well. You can always email the show if you'd like. The Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. Final thoughts, Chuck? Nougat. That's my final thought right there. Nougat? All right. Until Friday, sports fans. Ooga looga, Heine Manoush. You've been listening to Sports Yak, brought to you by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events available at und.com slash buy tickets. And by Pyramid Equipment. Think Pyramid Equipment for your snowplow needs, sales, services, and installations of residential and commercial-grade snowplows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid offers military, police, and firemen's discounts. Find us, PyramidEquipmentInc.com. Everybody get out of here. There's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.